Thank you for listening to this episode of Changes Big and Small. This is your host, Damian. Changes Big and Small will help you take action in your life with intention and purpose. In each episode, I invite you to accept unexpected challenges that will help you take action to live the life that you want. In this episode, I'll be finalizing the series on friendship and sharing some of the ideas from We Should Get Together by Cad Fellows. In addition to an introduction and conclusion, the book is arranged in three parts. One, why friendship matters and elements of good ones. Two, the four main friendship challenges and how to overcome them. Three, bold new approaches for cultivating friendship and next steps. If you're in a friendship rut or in a position where making friends and improving your friendship life is a priority, I recommend this book. Friendship takes work and this book will demystify the work that is needed. Since friendship may be different to you than it is to me in terms of what you look for and where you place it in your life, only you can determine the needs in your own friendship life. First, you need to be realistic about how many friends you can maintain when you consider the other important relationships in your life. Friendship is important and everyone benefits from having friends, but only you can decide how much time you have for friendship and so how many friends you can maintain close relationships with. In friendship, the other person will be there for you and you will be there for them. And in adulthood, it's more important to have high quality friendships than a larger quantity of friends. Each part of We Should Get Together is broken down into different chapters and sections. And there are lots of actionable steps in each section. The suggestions are innovative and interesting. As I was reading the book, a friend was staying with me in Prague from Atlanta. She's much more social than I am and has an easier time making friends, but she also found some of the suggestions to be delightful activities that she can try in her home since she's only lived in Atlanta for about a year. I've named this episode after the big takeaway for me, the book. As someone who's traveled a lot and moved around quite a bit, Sometimes I wonder if it's worth investing time in new friendships when I know I may be moving or the other person may soon leave our common city. Or what about if you meet someone on holiday and hit it off with them? Kat writes, Why rob yourself of the benefits of human connection, however fleeting? A lot of us spend more time thinking about living somewhere else than we do figuring out how to feel more belonging in the place we already live. But what if we did the opposite instead? What if we treated our short time here the way we do when we make a spontaneous friend on a trip in a new place? Where, instead of avoiding them since neither of us is staying in that city or town forever, we dive right in and we dive deep. It certainly didn't stop us during high school or college when we knew for certain that we'd be moving on after a few years. What if, when it came to friendship, We treated each new address as if it were our last? What if we opted for high-intensity, short-term friendships where, instead of deciding it's not worth it, we said, we're only going to be here for a while, so let's make it amazing. I think we should take opportunities to build meaningful connections. You never know when you'll run into the person again. 
I spent nine years on pilgrimage a few years back and made a friend during that time. It was probably about six years ago and we keep in touch regularly. We have some things in common and a lot where we're different, but we visited each other in our homes and she's one of the people that I've had the most revealing conversations with. Our common religion allows us to show up for each other in a way that is different to the way I interact with many of my other close friends. On the other hand, on a trip to New Orleans, I met three people and we had so much fun together. I went out and tried things I would have never done alone. So although we don't keep in contact any longer except through Facebook follows, I am so happy that I met them. By now, you should be familiar with the benefits of friendship as discussed in previous episodes. If you've accepted the invitations previously shared, you've taken a look at your friendships and you've identified some areas for planting, pruning, fertilizing, or other maintenance. By now, you should have an idea of whether or not you need new friends or need to spend time to deepen or maintain your existing friendships. Let me add one more consideration to help you design your friendship life. According to Kat, there are four critical elements in friendship. Although they may be of unequal importance to you or can even shift importance as you go through various stages of life, each of them is important. The first three are ones we can control, while the last one is not something we can typically control. They are proximity, frequency, commitment, and compatibility. The first seed is proximity. A few episodes ago, in my interview with Coach Lee, I talked about wanting friends that I could meet up with on an ad hoc, last-minute basis. My favorite time of the nine years I've lived in Prague was when I had a couple of friends living within 10 minutes of me. We would go for walks together, sometimes do groceries together, stop at each other's homes, etc., When I lived in Japan, a friend and I would frequently drive to school or go grocery shopping together, although we both had cars. One of my favorite memories is our Monday morning breakfast. That was our way to start off the week with a fun activity. I like a bit of notice before people draw by, at least an update that they're on their way. But having friends in close proximity is important to me. It allows the opportunity for spontaneity. On the other hand, I have some very close friends that live thousands of miles away from me. The need for proximity to maintain a friendship is mitigated by the depth of the friendship. What do you need? Do you need to cultivate more friends within walking or driving distance from your home? Or is your friend distribution satisfactory? This is important as relocation is the number one reason why friendships fizzle out. The second seed is frequency. How often do you want to meet with your friends? It's a matter of both timing and repetition. For each of the people in your friendship circles or quadrants, are you satisfied with the frequency of your meetups and conversations? If it's an imbalance of needs, are you willing to compromise so each person gets their needs met? If you can't compromise, each of you has a decision to make on whether to continue the friendship. You need to meet often enough to be able to develop attachment and familiarity. The third seed is commitment. Commitment is a measure of how we show up for each other. It deepens and strengthens through the core behaviors of openness, caring, trust, 
dedication and reciprocity. Openness means being available emotionally and physically. Who are the people you can call when you need help last minute, in the middle of the night, during the evenings or weekends? A lack of dedication was the second biggest barrier to making and maintaining friendships from Kat's survey while writing the book. Making plans, reaching out and activities for you and your friend shows dedication. Reciprocity means showing up for the other person how they need you to show up. It doesn't mean each person in the friendship has to provide the same things, but rather that each person is getting what they need from the relationship without undue strain on any party. It's worth focusing on your commitment, and one of the ways you can do that is by showing up when you say you will, checking in with your friend on important events or dates, and generally keeping the connection alive by letting them know you are there and you care. The fourth seed is compatibility. Compatibility includes chemistry, communication style, lifestyle, socializing style, and values. You don't need to be a perfect match in each of these, but you need to like each other and have enough in common. You can take a test at weshouldgettogether.com forward slash compatibility with your friend. Another activity that Kat suggests is to discuss Henneken's Worlds Apart video, which is linked in the show notes. To know your friendship style, go to weshouldgettogether.com forward slash seeds of connection. Those seeds are a good starting point, but another thing that helps friendship along is the quality of our activities and conversations. If you want to build strong friendships, you can't spend the majority of your time together on catching up. While you may want to know what's going on in the other person's life, this kind of recall seldom provides opportunity for real bonding. So minimize it and make sure that you get into more meaty conversations. Kat talks about a concept of hydroponic friendship and says, I firmly believe that a robust immersion in quality connection marked by vulnerability, self-disclosure, and empathetic listening experienced in a concentrated form can fast track a friendship into existence in a shorter amount of time than what researchers have found. So one of the ways to have meatier conversations is to ask questions. It shows your engagement in the conversation and it can create goodwill with the other person. It provides opportunities for you to learn more about a person and to find points of connection for building intimacy. It's important to move past small talk. While some small talk can be used in brand new relationships, it's not necessary for building connections. Kat's point here is kind of a counterpoint to what Paul Sanders shares. I'd be curious to hear where you feel along the spectrum. Do you think that small talk is necessary for relationships or that you can kind of skip the small talk or keep it to a minimal when building relationships? Wherever you fall, the important thing that Kat mentions is that you shouldn't get stuck in small talk every time you meet a new potential friend. She invites us to get out of the trap of small talk and be vulnerable first and see how that unlocks deeper levels of trust for you both. Friendship takes time. It's important to check in with people and spend time with them. Even if you're in a romantic relationship, make time for your friends. 
CAD identifies three categories of friendships to nurture. Mutual friends you meet as a couple, individual friends that you do things with by yourself, and time as a couple with friends of one partner or the other. This allows you to connect with people who know you as an individual and as a couple, and it can also help you understand your partner better. One way to make friendships in a way that is more efficient and more durable, according to Kat, is to use the small group format. Intentionally build a small group of people that all share something in common that can spend time together for various activities. Plan outings with the small group and do things with each other. Having multiple people in the friendship group spreads out the responsibility for organizing and maintaining the friendship. It can help to plan an unconventional experience for the group as that bonds people faster, according to findings by researchers at Cornell University. Make time for friends and invest in spending time with different groups of people who align with you on your friendship goals. Do a variety of planned and spontaneous activities as the latter is often found to be more enjoyable by participants. So what if you find it awkward to make new friends? Cut things that we need to tease apart what we mean by awkward in these cases. What emotions are you actually experiencing? You can find a reference link in the show notes to help you identify your emotions. Then you can figure out how to address the emotions. For example, if you're afraid that you'll run out of things to say with a new potential friend, brainstorm some questions to ask, but also try to ask questions related to each response from the other person in the conversation. You will get better with practice. And it's also okay if there is a little bit of space in the conversation, if there are a few seconds of silence. However, if you need help, there are lots of ideas in the book of questions you can ask, or you could work with a coach. One of the tools a coach may use is exposure hierarchy, where a task is broken down into small steps. Kat also shares two methods in the book for supercharging friendship. QQ10 for quality plus quantity in 10 days, and the friendship incubator, which takes 90 days. In both of these cases, she provides a framework that you can follow. She says about QQ10, my hypothesis was that if two people who have decent chemistry commit to 10 consecutive days of quality time, then they'll be able to form the kind of closeness that typically takes months to build. Don't get seduced by the false idea of friendship on social media. Seeing friendship updates can actually inhibit your closeness as you are less likely to have an in-depth conversation where you feel that you relate with something that was shared on social media. If the same thing was shared in person, there would be lots of opportunities for a personal connection, for you to be able to relate in the conversation. However, social media creates a false sense of intimacy, letting us think that we know more than we do about another person or are closer to them than we actually are. Quoting Shelley Turkle, Kat writes that relationships mediated by digital devices give us the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. If you notice that social media is inhibiting your connection with friends, some ideas from Kat are to reach out to friends for more details about their posts, the stuff about their recent trip that they did not share on social media, 
for example, or you may find that you need to quit social media entirely. Following someone doesn't make you friends with them. Make sure that you acknowledge the boundaries and the nature of relationships you may have with people you regularly listen to, for example, on a podcast or people that you follow. To end this episode, I'll share four challenges from the book. You can pick one or more of these. One, pick two friends who you want to be closer with. Ask if they're up for increasing the frequency in your friendship. Two, write a love letter to a friend, whatever that means to you. But basically letting them know how important they are to you and what you think about them. Three, set time on your calendar for friendship as previously advised by Paul Sanders. Or set time and space for nothingness or self-care. And four, say yes to spontaneous or last-minute invites and no to schedule invites for a week a month, etc. Challenge yourself. I'll end with a quote from Kat. We should get together in new ways, openly, unguardedly, honestly, curiously, empathetically, vulnerably, creatively. Thanks for listening and I wish you happier, more satisfying friendships. Thank you for listening to Changes Big and Small. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please leave a five-star review in Spotify or iTunes. Leaving a review helps other people find the podcast. You can reach me, contact at changesbigandsmall.com. Remember, change begins with one small step. Have a great week.